You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health. Your host is Dr. Lisa Mazzullo, Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University Medical School, the Feinberg School of Medicine. You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. 178,000 new cases of breast cancer are diagnosed annually, and 40,000 women die yearly from breast cancer. The ability to detect breast cancer earlier and with greater accuracy holds the most grave importance for women's health. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health. I'm Dr. Lisa Mazzullo, your host, and with me today is Dr. Wendy Berg, who is the researcher and clinical radiologist at affiliates of John Hopkins Institutions in Baltimore, who is the co-author of a study that is looking at ultrasound as a modality for improved breast cancer screening and to increase early detection of breast cancer. So just to go over some things before we realize why you needed to do this study, what do you think the accuracy is currently of traditional mammography in its pickup of breast cancer? Well, that's a loaded question if there ever was one. I think to some degree it actually depends on how dense the breast tissue is, and that's an issue that I'm sure we will discuss in greater detail. If the patient has a very fatty breast, it's very easy for mammography to see things. We probably are at least 98% of the time able to see the cancer if it's present. If the tissue is very dense, and by that we mean very white in its appearance, then it is much more likely for the cancer to be hidden by that tissue. And in that situation, we probably see somewhere between... Oh, 40 and 60% depending on how you define our miss rate. When you're looking at a new imaging modality to help make those numbers even more impressive, what are some of the salient points you look at before it can become a tool in our imaging armamentarium? Well, there are several issues. So when we talk about screening, we're talking about women who are healthy. And one of the things that we don't want to do is cause a lot of unnecessary anxiety or problems in terms of just tolerating a test if it's going to be used for screening. So for a test to be helpful to us, it has to be something that's relatively widely available, and it has to be something that can be easily performed and tolerated by the patient without causing a lot of pain or other complications. And finally, we really can't be finding a lot of things that are not cancer that raise concern or that have that cause side effects, if you will, in the, in the course of trying to find those true cancers that are present. So trying to find something that doesn't have a lot of false positives. Yes, that's an issue. And it, again, depends on how problematic it is. If we find something, how hard is it to address that? With breast cancer, we do have the advantage that there are many relatively easy ways to perform needle biopsies these days. It no longer requires going to surgery. If we find something that's concerning, most of the time we're able to do a simple office procedure that takes 15 to 20 minutes to make a diagnosis in terms of getting the tissue sample. And it's a pretty straightforward procedure. So false positives are still an issue with any 
imaging tests, but they're less of an issue now than they were 15 years ago. Before we get into more specifics about ultrasound, Digital or computer-aided detection seems to be a very hot change for mammography. Can you comment a little bit if you think that digital mammography is a significant improvement or has it really helped in the detection of early breast cancer? Right. So there's two big studies that have really looked at this issue. And the one that was performed in the United States, the so-called DEMIS trial that Dr. Edipasano led at University of North Carolina, did show that digital mammography had better performance in women who were under 50 years of age or premenopausal or had dense breasts. And those are, of course, overlapping groups of women. The younger women tend to have denser breast tissue. And we found in that study that about 70% sensitivity for cancers with digital mammography compared to only about 55% with film screen but they only were using mammography itself to define false negatives. So that probably underestimates some of the misses, but it still was clearly better than film screen. And certainly at this point, we would encourage any woman who has dense breast tissue to have her mammogram performed using digital mammography uh, wherever possible. Do you think there's any disadvantage to using digital mammography? I don't. From a practical standpoint, it seems to help us see things better and more confidently. So there's probably less chance also of an unnecessary repeat test. It's not going to completely avoid those, but it does help us. It's easier for the technologist to quickly see her films and assess whether she's got all the tissue and those sorts of things too. So I think all things considered, it definitely improves our day-to-day performance. Why did you feel ultrasound was a good modality to evaluate when you were considering a study on improving methods of breast cancer detection? Well, ultrasound, of course, is widely available, so it meets that first criterion for a screening test. It's something that is um, present in every breast imaging center. It's something that, of course, is available and used widely in obstetrics and gynecology applications and so it's, it's certainly a widely available technology. The technology itself had improved a lot. It had been looked at way back in the 1980s, and the results were not very encouraging. But the transducers and the, just the sheer electronics had really improved in the last, again, 15, 10 to 15 years. And we were finding very encouraging results in our own experiences at many centers. And there were some single-center studies that were published that had very encouraging results with respect to finding small breast cancers that were not seen on mammography. And it really was time to see if that technology could be translated to more general practice. It's always great when we find that one particular investigator can get good results, but before we can consider using it more widely, we do need to demonstrate that that same approach can be used in many different hands, many different centers, and get similar results. And that was really the purpose of our study. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Advances in Women's Health on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Lisa Mazzullo, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Wendy Berg about ultrasound as a modality to improve early detection of breast cancer. Dr. Berg, who were the patients that were included in the study that you did on this topic? We selected a group of women who were at somewhat higher risk of developing breast cancer. So all of our patients had to meet 
at least one definition of increased risk, and over half of them had a personal history of breast cancer. We also had about a quarter of the women who had some sort of prior atypical biopsy, which is a marker of increased risk, and some overlap, again, with the groups had a family history of breast cancer that put them at increased risk. Did you find any subgroups of patients within this that benefited more or less from the ultrasound-aided breast imaging? Not really. We really didn't include enough women to start looking at subgroups. We can really only draw conclusions for the overall group, which in the end we had 2,637 women who completed the initial scans as well as the 12-month follow-up. So things like body mass index, tobacco usage, parity, none of that were yeah, looked at? None of that was really considered in, mm-hmm. in this study. But you did consider some other wonderful things. And so as far as the findings in the combination of using mammography and ultrasound, did you find a greater accuracy to detect cancer? We did. So if we look at the combination of the two tests together, we had an accuracy of 91% compared to 78% for mammography alone. And that considers both increased cancer detection as well as increased confidence of the radiologists who were performing the test to interpret it appropriately. So after the results of this study, did you find anyone who ultrasound did not benefit? I wouldn't really say that, except that, of course, again, we touched on the issue of false positives, and there was a high risk of having an unnecessary biopsy because of the ultrasound. So that wasn't associated with any particular patient characteristics, but it was seen in this study. If we look at mammography alone, about 1 in 40 women had an unnecessary biopsy, which is quite comparable to other studies of mammography. If we added the ultrasound, then about 1 in 10 women had an unnecessary biopsy, which is substantial. And for most women, they were much more interested in the potential to find a problem if there was one and to find it early, and they were willing to accept that risk. But we are also in the process of reporting our analysis of the tolerability of these tests. And for some women, that risk of an unnecessary biopsy is too much. It's too stressful, and they they shouldn't have it. Yeah, I think the physical and the mental discomfort is extreme for most patients when they do this. Thanks to Dr. Wendy Berg, who's been our guest, and we've been discussing ultrasound as a modality for improved breast cancer detection. I'm Dr. Lisa Mazzullo. You've been listening to the Advances in Women's Health on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Please visit our website at reachmd.com, which features our entire library through on-demand podcasts, or call us toll-free with your comments and suggestions at 888-MD-XM157. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Advances in Women's Health, sponsored in part by Eli Lilly, with your host, Dr. Lisa Mazzullo. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, please go to reachmd.com forward slash women's health. Well, hello, Nancy. Hi, doctor. How's the osteoporosis medicine I prescribed working for you? Well, it's fine, doctor. But, you know, I saw this commercial for something called a Vista, Reloxifene Hydrochloride. Yes, Avista. It's prescription only, and it's the one medicine that treats osteoporosis and reduces the risk of invasive breast cancer in postmenopausal women with osteoporosis. It's important to note, though, that Avista does not treat breast cancer, prevent its return, or reduce the risk of all forms of breast cancer. 
Am I at risk for invasive breast cancer? I don't have a family history. Well, family history is important, but there are other risk factors that I need to take into consideration, including your advancing age and personal history. And based on my risk assessment, you may be at risk. So you think Avista is right for me? Well, individual results may vary, but I think for you, the benefits of Avista would outweigh the potential risks. Let's switch you today. Well, thank you, Doctor. I'm glad I asked about it. <laughs> no problem. Avista increases the risk of blood clots and should not be used by women who have or have had blood clots in the legs, lungs, or eyes. Avista may increase the risk of dying from stroke in women at high risk for heart disease or stroke. Talk to your doctor about all your medical conditions. Seek care immediately if you have leg pain or warmth, swelling of the legs, hands, or feet, chest pain, shortness of breath, or a sudden vision change. Do not use Avista if you are pregnant, nursing, or may become pregnant, as it may cause fetal harm. Women with liver or kidney disease should use Avista with caution. Avista should not be taken with estrogens. Side effects may include hot flashes, leg cramps, and swelling. For more information about Avista, contact your Lilly sales representative, visit www.avista.com, see our ad in Good Housekeeping, or call 1-888-44-AVISTA.